Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our worship service. We're so glad to have you here. You know, the, the Bible commands us to not forsake our meeting together, so I'm glad that you all made a point to come out and join us together. You know, there's something about worshiping together that's special and it's valuable for us, and it's also valued by God, so thank you. Well, I want to welcome you online, so you're not here with us, uh, but we're welcoming you anyway. Many of you are watching online because you're unable to be here. But if there's some of you online that have given up the habit of meeting together, we miss you, so I'll come back. So we're here to worship the Lord together, and I'm calling you to worship, and let's start by standing together and read together responsively from Psalm 81. So follow the prompts on the screen. Sing for joy to God our strength and shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music, strike the timbrel, play the melodious harp and lyre. Sound the ram's horn at the new moon and when the moon is full on the day of our festival. This is a decree for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Which reminds me, we're expecting some vanguards, the gap year program from Honey Rock, I know you've, you've learned it yet, but that psalm is the one that inspired the name of Honey Rock Camp. So let's all join together. We're standing, so let's sing an old hymn, but it's got the word joy in it, and that psalm started with that word, so let's be joyful and adore the Lord.
Good morning. Morning. It is great to, to gather with you here this morning. We are glad that you are here with us. If you are visiting or new, my name is Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at Three Lake Evangelical Free Church, and we are glad that you are here with us this morning. If you are visiting, or if there's anything like us to know about you, um, for our information, there's a, a connect card on the seat in front of you. We'd invite you to, to fill that out and drop it in the, the wooden boxes that are on the back wall on your way out this morning, just as a way for us to get to know you a little bit. Those wooden boxes in the back are also where tithes and offerings can be placed. A couple of announcements for you this morning as we kind of have a, a kind of busy morning here this morning. So right now we're, we're worshiping together following the worship service. We'd invite you to, to go downstairs and get a, get a cup of coffee, get a, a snack, and then there's a few things happening after the worship service, kind of during our kind of Sunday school hour. So downstairs, we'll have Sunday school for, for kids. That starts at 10.30. And then up here, kind of all three rooms will be used. Right? So over in the library, there'll be a meeting for people who are volunteering with Fun Club, or if you're just interested in learning more about what that looks like, we'd invite you to come to that as well. So that'll be over in the library this morning, starting around 10.45. At 10.30, those of you who are our vanguard who are here with us, we'd invite you to join us over in this room, our kind of youth wing. We'll have some treats for you and just kind of let you know, kind of learn a little bit more about the church, answer any questions you may have, some opportunities to, to serve with us. So we just invite you to come, be a part of that, um, and yeah, get to know us a little bit better. And then here in, in this room... We will have a, a time of prayer this morning starting at 1045 as we begin our series today on prayer. I'll talk a little bit about kind of what that will look like, but then the bulk of our time in here will be just a time of focused prayer together. So that's our kind of plan for this morning. We hope you stick around after the service to be a part of one of those things. One other announcement is that next Sunday, Eric will lead us in an in a old-fashioned hymn sing here at the church on October 8th at 4 p.m. So if you're interested in that, we'd invite you to be a part of that as well. Again, we're just glad that you're here with us this morning to come together, to be in this place together as God's people to worship together. So as we continue worshiping, would you join me in time of prayer? Father God, we come before you this morning. We gather here in this place to proclaim that you are mighty, you are awesome in power, you are worthy of all our praise. You are truly holy. So, Father, I pray now for each of us as we come in here with different things in our minds, different issues weighing on our hearts. Father, I pray that you would orient our heart this morning to remember who you are to remember who we sing to, to remember why we sing, to remember whose word we read, 
to remember who it is that we pray to. Father, you are a good God who delights in giving good gifts to his children. Father, I pray for us gathered here that whatever those good gifts are that we need, would you give them. For those who are hurting or sick, would you give good gifts of healing? Would you meet needs where people have them? Would you give us the ability to trust that the gifts you don't give must ultimately not be good. We trust that you are a giver of good gifts. We trust that you and your wisdom are the ultimate judge of what gifts are indeed good for us. And so we pray that you Give us those gifts that are good for us. Give us the ability to trust that those things that we desire that you do not give us are not ultimately for our good. Father, now as we continue to sing, would we be amazed? Would we stand in awe of you? Would we remember how worthy you are to receive our praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So next we're going to have a two-song worship set. Both of these songs are uh, built upon imagery from the book of Revelation, specifically the parts where it gives an image or a glimpse into heaven and the throne room there. And a couple of things I wanted to just point out before we start. So worship in the biblical sense, mean, or literally the word means in Hebrew, to bend the knee, which I think the point of that is that we are acknowledging our submission to our God. And so that's what we're here to do. Um, also, the word holy appears in both of these songs. So holy means set apart. In the biblical sense, it means set apart from the fallen world. So God is separate from that. He's called his people to be separate from that. And so that's um, one of the other uh, uh, topics or points that are made by these songs. And finally, um, we have the word glory. And you probably heard me say this before, but in, that, in the culture of biblical times, it was an honor-shame culture, and so glory meant somebody that had the highest status of all. So the, 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 the main goal in life of the ancients was to, to try to elevate their status a little higher and not bring shame upon their group by doing something that would lower their status. So the songs we see, this is a lot about um, you, the, God's name is the greatest of all names. And that's what this is getting at, that he, we are placing him and we are acknowledging that he is above and superior to everything else in the universe. Um, and so 
I, I hope that that will help you resonate and connect with these songs a little bit better. So let's stand together and worship and sing these songs together. The first one is, Is He Worthy?, which has me asking questions, and you will respond with, He is, or anyway, follow the words on the screen. Here we go. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made? creation groaning it is is a new creation coming it is it's the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst it is is it good that we remind ourselves of Is he worthy, is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves. He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to bring? seal and open the scroll, the line of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave, every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom of priests to God to reign with the is he worthy, is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy, is he worthy, is he worthy of me? 
the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, holy, all creation cries, holy, you are lifted high, holy, holy forever. And if you've been forgiven, people 
Father, so grateful that what we just sang is true, that you are holy, that you are beyond us and our comprehension. You are different than us, and yet you love us, and you sent your Son, Jesus, to be worthy and to, by his blood, make us worthy to be in your presence forever and ever. Praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are a child in 4K through second grade, you are dismissed right now. If you're interested in heading downstairs and going to the children's church, if you're interested in that, you can head out now. So in 2018, Denver hosted something called the Flat Earth International Conference. And that the word international implies, like people flew in from all over the world to attend this conference. Including one attendee who flew all the way from New Zealand to be there. The irony, of course, being that though people flew to Denver on flight paths that are predicated on the earth being a globe, right? And when they got to Denver, they probably found their way to the conference center by, by using GPS, right? GPS, of course, stands for Global Positioning System, right? Not Flat Disk Positioning System. Likewise, Henry David Thoreau, right? you may know him, he wrote the book Walden. And it's all about kind of surviving alone in in nature, one scholar kind of described this book this way. That it's a reflection upon the author's simple living in natural surroundings. The work, if part, declaration of independence, social experiment, voyage of spiritual discovery, and to some degree, a manual for self-reliance. But while he was living on Walden Pond, while he was writing this book... Thoreau would often make trips to the nearest town where town folks would cook him meals. And while in town, he would drop off his laundry at his mom's house and she would do his laundry for him. Quite the manual for self-reliance. Climate activists largely agree that flying private jets around the world is one of the worst things that an individual can possibly do for the environment. And yet Bill Gates, who has invested billions of dollars to combat climate change, continues to fly his fleet of private jets around the world. The contradiction has become so glaring that he's given a number of interviews trying to defend why he does this. I share those kind of three examples as, as examples of people whose stated beliefs don't match their actions. And depending on the issue, right, these disconnects between belief and practice can either be amusing or frustrating. But when we see it in somebody else, we can easily point the finger and point out the hypocrisy and the contradiction. But the reality is, that if we examine our own lives closely enough, we're likely to find areas where 
what we say we believe doesn't match our actions either. So this morning we're, we're starting a new series on, on prayer. Normally we preach through books of the Bible here, but we've been taking time every couple months to, to focus in on one kind of practice of the faith to seek to grow in. This morning we start a, practice, a series on prayer and how we can grow in prayer. And as I've been kind of preparing for this series, like I felt this deep conviction about, about how my own prayer life is one of those areas that like my beliefs don't always match my actions. Like I say right, that I believe in an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God who rules the universe, and yet he invites me to converse with him. And yet I'm embarrassingly slow to avail myself of that privilege. I say that I believe in that I believe prayer is a, a conversation with a personal God. And yet so often when I pray, I pray not as if I'm talking to a person, but as if I'm performing some stale dead ritual. When I pray, I'm often just kind of going through the motions. My words are, are formulaic. They're, they're mindless. When we sit down to eat supper at the family, like the prayer I pray before the meal sounds like awfully similar each night. Not because it's some pre-written prayer, but because I tend to say the same thing, more or less the same, each night. And often when I pray, I pray it without but really thinking about the fact that I am praying these words to the God of the universe and to my Heavenly Father. There is a, a disconnect often between what I believe about God and how I pray. I'm guessing I'm not the only one in this room who feels that way. Crossway, the, the Christian book publisher, recently did a study where they, they asked Christians how satisfied they were with their prayer life on a scale from 1 to 10. And here's the, it's hard to see up there, right? but up on top, that first red dot is, each red dot is 1% of people. The first one is people give up to 10, and then a 9, and then an 8 going down. Right? So only 2% of people in this survey gave themselves a 9 or a 10 when asked how satisfied they were with their prayer life. Over 70% of respondents gave themselves a 5 or lower. I don't know about you, how you would rate your satisfaction with your prayer life. But if this survey is any indication, then almost every one of us in this room has, has room for growth in how we pray and how satisfied we are with our prayer life. Some of us, like myself, have lots of room for growth. So my deep hope that over the course of the series, as we walk through the series on prayer, we will grow together as people who, who delight to pray to their Father. And one way to encourage that, obviously, is if through these sermons on Sunday morning. But beyond that, there's a few opportunities for you to kind of push deeper into thinking and considering how to improve your prayer life. You can find those 
opportunities in the inside of your bulletin. There's a women's Bible study coming up. There's information in your bulletin about that, that focusing on prayer. There's a couple groups that will be going through the, the prayer practice, the practicing the way curriculum. And then during the Sunday school hour for the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about a book called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. We'll, we'll use the book a little bit, the guy, but mostly we'll be just doing what that book recommends, which is praying the Bible. We have free copy from Crossway of that book, so if you're interested in being part of that, you can come be a part of that time with us during the Sunday school hour up here on Sunday mornings. I'd encourage you, if you're able, to step into one of those opportunities, to be together with people who desire to grow in their prayer life, if none of those particular ones work together for you, then maybe you can find another person, another family who is interested in doing something with you. We'd be happy to give you resources to make that happen. But my desire in all of this, really my desire in all that we do with the church, is that we become people who are, look more and more like Jesus. And as we'll see in our Bible passage this morning, Jesus was a man who prayed. And not just a man who prayed, but a man who prayed in such a way that it caught the attention of others as being different than how they prayed. And it made people want to pray like Jesus. And my hope is that that would be true of us. That first and foremost, that we'd be people who pray. But beyond that, that we'd be people who pray in a way that it makes others want to emulate our prayer lives. Because our prayer life reflects something of our relationship with the Father that they desire. So as we explore what that will look like, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 this morning, looking at verses 1 and 2. Before we jump into that, would you pray? Father God, we thank you that you have given us your word to to teach us, to instruct us, to help us grow in our knowledge and our love and our obedience to you. We thank you that you are a God who hears us when we pray. You invite us to come before you to share our hearts with you. come to your word this morning. Would you teach us? Would you shape us and mold us into the image of your Son? Would you teach us to pray like Jesus? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Luke writes this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And it's pretty easy to kind of gloss over that verse. I know I've done it many times in my own Bible reading. It's actually, if you stop to think about it, a quite interesting verse. As Tyler Staten points out, when Jesus' disciples said to him, teach us to pray, Jesus wasn't responding to a bunch of novices. Prayer was the order of the disciples' lives. 
and it had been since the day they were born to Jewish parents in ancient Israel. What does it mean, teach us to pray? If they've been praying their whole lives, what does it mean? Stand at the question. If not unfamiliarity, what prompted these disciples to say, teach us to pray? And the answer can only be that there was something different about the way that Jesus prayed. And what I hope we see this morning, what I hope we apply to our own prayer lives, is that the thing, first and foremost, that was different about Jesus' prayer life was how Jesus understood who he was praying to. In response to the request to teach them to pray, Jesus didn't give his followers a lecture on prayer. Instead, he simply started praying. And in doing that, he gives them a, a model of prayer, a model to model their prayer lives after. It's a prayer that throughout history has become known as the Lord's Prayer. In verse 2, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The most important ingredient to a thriving, powerful, meaningful prayer life is understanding who we pray to. What we see in the first few lines of Jesus' model prayer is that when we pray, we pray to the one who is both our Father and the hallowed King. So this morning, I just want to simply look at those first three lines of the Lord's Prayer with you. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I'm going to walk through those three lines and see what we can learn about prayer from each of those lines. Starting with, Father. Jesus begins the prayer by saying, Father. Chances are you, you read that and you don't think a lot of it. That's just kind of how we pray. The number of times I started a prayer by saying, Father, and not thought a lick about what I meant when I said, Father, is embarrassing. That's kind of how we pray. We say, Father. Right? But the disciples... Jesus is preaching today would have seen that start, that youth of Father as totally radical. The idea to them of relating to the almighty God of the universe as Father, that's not something the Jewish people did in prayer. The Jews had a a deep sense of, of God's holiness and His majesty and His grandeur. When they approached God in prayer, they did so with deep reverence and respect and awe. Those are all good things, right? But, but calling God Father was not on their radar. That's what made Jesus' prayer life so to think. That's what prompted the request that he would teach the disciples to pray. They wanted to pray like Jesus. They wanted to pray Father. And the amazing thing is, Jesus tells them that they, they can pray that. In Matthew's version of the prayer, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Jesus doesn't say, my Father. He says, our Father. 
He's inviting his followers to see God and to relate to God as their father as well as his father. Which then leads to the question, what does it mean for God to be our father? And Jesus answers that a few verses later. When he says, Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Because God is our Father, he, he delights to give good gifts to those who ask him. The most important thing about how we pray is how we relate to God. And one way we relate to him is as Father. Our memories can be a, a bit of a funny thing. Like I have a hard time remembering some of, some of the most important days of my life. Right? I have very few memories from some important days. And then I have these oddly vivid memories of seemingly mundane, meaningless days in my life. One example of that is, like, I have this vivid memory. Like, I'm eight or nine years old. I'm in the frozen food section of Cub Foods in Appleton, Wisconsin. And for whatever reason, as I'm there in the frozen food section, I realize I cannot think of my parents' real names. Like, I'm like, I remember sitting there, like, racking my like, what is mom's name? What is dad's name? I Cannot think of it. I cannot think of the name. So I, I go to my mom, and I'm like, uh, Mom, like, what are your and dad's names? And she looked at me rather confused. We had this bit of a back and forth about, like, how, I just can't remember, Mom. Like, I, I call you Mom, I call you Dad, I don't remember your names. And so she reminds me, like, we're Mark and Jill. And, like, the moment she tells me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Like, it clicked. But the question remains, like, how did I forget their names? Like, I see them outward each and every day. How could I forget that their names were Mark and Jill? And the answer is, for me, relating to them as mom and dad was infinitely more important than relating to them as Mark and Jill. And them being mom and dad asked me to ask them for things and relate to them in ways that were unthinkable for someone who only knew them as Mark and Jill. For the rest of the world, the important thing about them was that their names were Mark and Jill. But for me, the most important thing was that they were mom and dad. So I forgot their names. But tomorrow, we, we have an appointment in Wausau, my dad is going to take off work, and my mom and dad are going to drive an hour and a half from Appleton to Wausau just to watch our kids while we go to that appointment. There is no one else I would ever consider even asking to do that for us. But because they're my mom and dad, they're not just Mark and Jill, but they're mom and dad, I can ask them to do that, and they do. The same thing is true for us with God as our Father. When we truly understand that, that God is our Father, 
It gives us boldness to ask Him for good gifts. And we simply need to, to ask. And yet so often, like, we don't ask. We don't pray. We, we don't go to our perfect Heavenly Father and lay before Him all that is on our hearts. And I'm convinced that the, the reason we don't do that, the reason we don't pray more, is that we don't really remember that God is our Father. The word Father may leave our lips when we pray, but we don't internalize all that that word means. Maybe for some of you, like, don't even believe it in the first place. Maybe you look at your own life and you, you see all the things you've done that you know you shouldn't have done and you think, if there's no way that God could love me as a father, love the son. If that's you this morning, let me just remind you of the words of John 1.12, where John writes this about Jesus. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. If you're here and you believe in Jesus, you believe in his name, then your status as a child of God does not depend on anything you do or don't do. You are a child of God because of your trust in Jesus. If you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, never believed in Jesus, I urge you to do that, to trust that through his death on the cross, your sins are forgiven so that you can call God your Father. If you have questions about what that means, what that would look like, I would be more than happy to talk to you after the service or we set up a meeting another time, but I'd love to talk to you more about what that means. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus, I just urge you to remember. Remember that you are a child of God. Remember that God is your Father. The Bible commands us to remember more often than it commands us to obey or to do anything. Because we are so prone to forgetfulness. So this morning, if you're here, would you simply remember that you are a child of God, that, that God is your Father? And will that prompt you, that move you to run to your loving Heavenly Father, to pour out your heart before Him, to ask Him for things, trusting that He is the God who delights to give good gifts to those who ask? Would you remember that he is your father. But Jesus doesn't stop there in, in reminding us how to pray. He goes on to say, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. And the word hallowed means to, to make holy or to, to set apart, to sanctify or to, to dedicate, to, to honor. Father 
It's a reminder of, of God's intimacy and closeness with us. And this word hallowed is a, is a reminder of his otherness, of his separateness and his majesty and his incomprehensible greatness. And as tricky as it is, we need to hold both of those things together simultaneously. That is both Father and also the one who deserved to have his name hallowed. And unfortunately, we're prone to, to overemphasize one of these at the expense of the other. In, in Jesus' day, the, the shocking part of Jesus' prayer was him calling God Father. But those who heard him would have been comforted to hear him remind those there that, that God's name is still to be hallowed. They would be comforted by the reminder that God is, that Jesus still saw God as majestic and holy and other. That Jesus didn't throw that out when he called God Father. And in our day, though, it kind of flipped. We are more comfortable calling God Father, even if we sometimes forget all the ramifications of that, than we are remembering to hallow God. I don't know about you, but I'm much more comfortable picturing God as my Father and my friend than the almighty, all-powerful, all-glorious, perfectly holy God of the universe. In 1 Peter, Peter writes, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. They call God Father, but he said, live out your time here as foreigners in reverent fear. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I just don't spend a lot of my life living in in reverent fear of, of God. And fear here doesn't mean terror, but reverence and awe and respect. Earlier we sang, Is He Worthy? That draws imagery from Revelation chapter 5. But right before that, the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 4 paints this picture of, of the worship of God in heaven. And he writes this, In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creature give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who live forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lived forever and ever. They lay their crown before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and, and by your will they were created and have their being. We go to God in prayer. We, we go related to Him as the Father, but also as entering this throne room of heaven. Our prayer should reflect that God is indeed holy, holy, holy. 
He's worthy of glory and honor and power. He's the creator of all things. He is infinitely powerful. As much as we relate to God as Father, we cannot forget to also praise Him and hallow His name in our prayers. Our prayers should adore God. They should hallow God. That should be a list of requests from us. But they should be about hallowing God's name. And the reason for this, right, is not that, that God is some egomaniac who, who demands to receive praise for the sake of his own ego. But rather, like, we are creatures who are made to worship. We will hallow something. And part of the gift that God gives us in prayer is the opportunity to rightly orient our heart to the God who is truly worthy of praise. To fix our affection and our adoration and our hallowing on the right object. Paul Tripp in his book, Awe, says, Only when awe of God rules your heart will you be able to keep the pleasures of the material world in their proper place. Likewise, Tyler Stanton says, when you and I open our mouths and begin to pray, almost certainly another name is being hallowed in our hearts. The names of accomplishment, success, productivity, approval from another person, comfort, easy execution of our own plans, self-will and all its destructive varieties, When we pray, we step out of the fundamental reality of the world and into the fundamental reality of God. So we must begin by inviting God to reorder our affections. When we pray, we remember that God is God and we are not. We remember that God is holy. Remember that God is worthy of our reverent fear and awe. And we remember that God is king of the universe. Which is why Jesus' next line is, Your kingdom come. When we pray, we, we pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray for that scene in Revelation 4 to become our present reality. God, we pray to when we pray is the almighty king of the universe. Nothing is beyond his control. Nothing is too hard for him. He is a king and he has a kingdom. So when we pray, we, we approach him as father. But we also approach him as king. A king who is worthy of our hallowing and of our awe and of our reverent fear. We must approach him with both realities firmly in The first three lines of the Lord's Prayer are, are Jesus' invitation for us to remember who we are talking to when we pray. There is nothing more important to our prayer life, nothing that will drive us to pray more than, than knowing the one that we pray to. And in Psalm 46, the psalmist reminds us of the importance of of taking time to remember who God is, of remembering who it is that we talk to when we pray. Psalm 46, verse 10, are the famous words, Be still and know that 
I am God. Before any words leave our mouths in prayer, we should take time and stop to be still, to be quiet, and simply know that God is God. We take time to remember before we pray who it is that we're praying to. Take time to remember that God is our Father who loves us and wants us to come to Him. Take time to remember that God is worthy of our hallowing. To remember that, that God is indeed King. To remember, as the psalmist goes on to say, that, that God will be exalted among the nations. That He will be exalted in the earth. It doesn't depend on us. God will do those things. We, we are still. Would our prayer lives start there? By, by being still and, and knowing that, that God is God. That's a challenge. Our lives are busy. They're hectic and they're, they're rushed. It can be hard to, to think you have the time to stop and be still. Or if you do have the time to remember to take that time. We all have a little square in our pocket that, that allow us to keep our minds occupied with every moment of quiet we might have. We can fill our brains with trivial nonsense instead of taking the time to be quiet and be still and know that God is God. I'm very guilty of this. I'm like, if I have five free minutes, my first thought is, oh, I can listen to a few minutes of a podcast, or I can listen to a few minutes of an audio book, or I can see what's happening in the world of sports. Right? Instead of just taking the time to be still, be quiet and reflect on who God is. Doing this, being still. It's one of the most countercultural things we can do. And it's an essential component to a vibrant prayer life. So in the, the days ahead, I, I hope my prayer for you is that you would be intentional about praying. And as you do that, my, my prayer, my hope is that your first step would be simply making time to be still and to know that, that God is God. That you wouldn't rush into your list of requests. You would just be still. You would let God work in your heart. You would let God remind you who He is. And that you would let that time of stillness and, and remembrance guide your prayer to your hallowed Father. For just a few minutes, I'm going to close this sermon by having us pray the Lord's Prayer together. And everyone probably knows it's a little bit different version, but I'm going to have the words on the screen, the version right out of Matthew from the NIV. We're going to pray that together just a few moments. Before we do that, I'm going to give us a few moments to, to put this into practice.
We're going to sit and be still and be quiet and know that God is God. In a few moments, I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Would you take a few moments to be still? you're able, would you stand with me as we pray these words together. I'm going to pray deliberately, slowly to give our mind time to think. Would you pray aloud with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. I'm going to close with one more song, and then I'll come and dismiss us, but just another song to remind us of who it is that we pray to when we pray.
from here, would you go remembering that God you pray to is both your Father and the hallowed King of the universe. And will that drive you to prayer? You are dismissed. Thank you.